This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Chuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. Last week we discussed the Chuvas of the Chassam Sofer. I mentioned then that the Chassam Sofer was the son-in-law of Rebbe Kiveger. They respected each other very much, as you can find throughout the Chuvas, where they refer to each other with great respect, great titles of respect, and they also point out that you really shouldn't have asked me this question because you are the Posek, and they kept writing that way back to each other. I did not mention... The, when I checked the dates of the Chassam Sofer and Rebbe Beger, it was interesting for me to note the Chassam Sofer was only one year older than Rebbe Beger, which means that he must have married his second wife, the daughter of Rebbe Beger, at a considerable age difference between him and his second wife. It's also noteworthy that Rebbe Beger died one year, two years before the Chassam Sofer. So they, their span of Rabbanas and and, and authority really, really uh, matched each other. They're almost exactly the same age. Today I'd like to mention some of the chuvas of the Chassam Sofer. And as usual, I try to pick chuvas that are more uh, relevant to today's world and sometimes have an interesting, curious uh, approach. Today I'd like to begin with chuva Reish Lamed Gimel in Yeridea. In that chuva, the Reb, Reb Chassam Sofer discusses the significance of Yerushalayim. And he'll talk also about the significance of Eretz Yisrael in general. Now, point, people pointed out that according to Reb Chaim Cohen, perhaps the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael was somehow affected. He said that Remember Reb Chaim Cohen in Tosas and Ksubis Kufyut said that today, where we don't fulfill the mitzvahs of Yishev Eretz Yisrael properly, so it's better not to go to live in Eretz Yisrael. Or better yet, the, Chassam, the Rabbeinu Chaim said, ain't no mitzvah today. Now, we all know that many people have questioned whether this is an authentic quote of Reb Chaim, some people think is a Toe, Talmud Toe Ksavo, some student who misunderstood or whatever, put it in the Tosvis. And there are sources for that. And Rebaran Salavechik gave a whole shear about this. And he said, we, we all, we all are reading the Tosvis incorrectly. When Tosvis is Eino Mitzvah, he said it's simply incorrect grammar. It should be Eino Mitzvah. And he distinguished between the obligation of a mitzvah and the fulfillment of a mitzvah. Be that as it may. Reb Chaim said that you, the simple words of Tosfos, Eino Mitzvah, because of the danger of fulfilling the mitzvahs. The Chassam Sofer said then, well, according to the Raivid in Hilchas Beis Habchira, and that famous Raivid is also well known, the Rambam there in Perek Vav of Hilchas Beis Habchira said that there's a mitzvah, that the, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim and Mikdash is intact, even though the Rambam felt that Kedusha Rishona Kitsha Lashata Velo Kitsha Lava, even though the Raman felt the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael as determined 
in the time of Yoshua, that Yoshua sanctified, gave the Kedusha there to Israel, even though that Kedusha has become dissipated when they went left Eretz Yisrael, the Kedusha of Yerushalayim in, in Mikdash is eternal. And he quotes the Pasuk, Vashimosi Yes Mikdashechem. The Ravid, very well-known Ravid, says that at least we'll interpret with the simple words, Hanichnas Vasham Einbo Kares. Today, there is no Chiyuv Kares, unlike the Rambam. And if a person walks into Harabayis today, even though he's not ritually prepared to go into the Harabayis and he would do something that otherwise would be considered terribly awesome. Today, there's no Chi of Kares, because the Kedusha of Yerushalayim and Mikdash is not the same as it once was. Uh, very difficult. Ravid, many explanations have been to try to say what the Ravid really meant. And if we would take the Ravid at, at face value without any interpretations, one might think that the Ravid thinks there's no Kedusha to Yerushalayim today, to the base of Makam Mikdash at all. And of course, the very interesting words of the Ravid, the Ravid says, Nigla li misad Hashem somehow I know this as a secret, and people have written a lot of literature about what it means, the Ravid said he knows this from a secret. Not our issue today. What is our issue? That the, Chassam Sofer argued, that according to this, it's more important to go to Eretz Yisrael today. Because the only reason that Reb Chaim might have written that today there's no mitzvah or whatever we, way we interpreted it is because you can't be careful of the mitzvahs. But if the Kedusha is not there, then you don't have to do those mitzvahs and therefore, why should you refrain from going? But then you'll ask me, so, but okay, if there's no Kedusha, why go? So here the Chassam Sofer waxes eloquent about the idea of Eretz, of Eretz Yisrael and specifically Yerushalayim having an innate Kedusha which is not relevant to the detailed halachos of Kedusha Saretz. He says, I'm not interested today if you're Chayef Karis or not. I want to know, is this Shara Shemayim? Is this the place that Adam Harishon, etc., felt that they would be Makriv? This is the place where the Sashras Hashchina. So, of course we should go there. He as a side comment, brings a brilliant interpretation of his Rebbe, Reb Nassim Adler. Reb Nassim Adler quotes the, discussed the Mishnah in Avodah Zarah, Daf Memhei, that the Mishnah said, whenever you find a Har Gavoa, so you know that there was Avodah Zarah there. So Tosus there in Avodah Zarah says, uh, how do you build a Beis HaMikdash on a, a, a mountain? When you, the Mishnah said, Makam Har Gavoa, then you know that it's a place of Avodah Zarah. So he points out, in the name of his Rebbe, a brilliant interpretation. When Avram, according to the Medrash, when Avram came and saw the place for the Akedah, it says, Vayaris HaMakam Merachok. It doesn't say, Vayaris HaHar Merachok. Vayaris HaMakam Merachok. So the Medrash says, it was a valley. It wasn't a Har. And Avram davened and said, it's not dignified for a king that his his his, his, his kavod should be in a valley. So it was made into a mountain. Asher yeyamer hayom bahar Hashem yeyra'ed became a mountain. So he says, all the mountains that were worshipped before then really are problematic. But this was not a mountain. Avram Avinu, who owned Eretz Yisrael, made it into a mountain as it were, and therefore when he, once he owned it, nobody else can proclaim that it's Aser. So now it became a mountain. And it's and it and now that it became a mountain, it can never become Aser. 
And as Rebbe Chassam Sofer refers to his Rebbe, V'dabchach, Devevi Chacham Chen, he liked this parish very much. He argued vehemently with someone who almost suggested, it seems that someone suggested that today, if the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael is not there because the Kedusha was uh, dissipated, Kedusha Lod Kitsha then somebody might even think that it's like Italy. There's no difference between Italy and Eretz Yisrael. Chas V'Shalom says the Chassam Sofer. Eretz Yisrael is the Eretz HaShem Lokech Odorei Shosah. Yerushalayim is the place of, ha- of Hashras HaShchina. That's the place we should all go to and that's the place we should all respect. Now obviously the Chassam Sofer is aware that at that particular time in Jewish history, it seems to be that Tzfat was the city where more people felt the spirituality at that time. And he refers to a custom that is observed today, that in Tzfat, on Lagba Omer, they have a day of Hilul of Reb now, the Chassam Sofer says it's true that they certainly have Kavan Hashem Shemayim, and they'll definitely be well rewarded for it. And he quotes the Pasuk that we mentioned last week also, Diglo Diglo that whatever people do, HaKadosh Baruch will like it when they're Kavan Hashem Shemayim. But Chassam Sofer says, I would have, I would not go there, and I would have tried to change the, the this particular custom. They do some strange behavior that I don't uh, agree with. And in general, the make a Yom Tov on a day is very, on a day that's not mentioned in our, in our halacha calendar is very difficult. It is true, and this is something we'll refer to in a few minutes, that there is a concept of making a Yom Tov on a day that a miracle was done. But that was a miracle that was done for, uh, saving, saving people's lives. But just to make a, a minig for the Hilula of Shimba Yochai that he doesn't, uh, he's not aware of. He then goes on to a little bit of a Kabbalistic discussion exactly what are the significance of the, of the Chesed Shebechesed, the Hod Shebehod, the different meanings of the Sphiras of Lag Bomer, but obviously the Chassam Sofer was opposed to the custom of, uh, of celebrating like Bomer in the style that it was done then. Today, how it's done, each person who goes to Tzvat will see how it's done, if he finds it appropriate or not. And in the Sefer of Rav Zevin, Mo'adim Balach, he has an extended discussion about this point of how to celebrate Lag Bomer. In, by the way, the Chassam Sofer points another point, that Tzedakah should be given to people in Eretz Israel. Before you give tzedakah to people in Chutzaretz, Aniyeh Ir Chakodmim is referring to Eretz Yisrael. He says, it's strange that the Ramam did not quote this in Halacha. And he says, and he doesn't know the reason why the Ramam left this out. He points out that in the Torah, there are two parshas of tzedakah, of lending money, or giving tzedakah. And he said in the, in the parsha of in Shmos, where it talks about lending money, in Kesef Talve Esami, it doesn't say a word that Eretz Yisrael comes before. Only in Devarim does it talk about And there we can learn that And he points out, why wasn't that said in, in Shmos? So he said, you know, Shmos is referring to a situation where things are wonderful. Am Yisrael lives in Eretz Yisrael. 
Even in times where things are wonderful, people, for business reasons, go and take loans, etc. There are all kinds of issues that can happen even in good times. And that's what the parsha is in, in Shmos is referring to, but then there's no reason to say that Eretz Yisrael is more important than other cities because the people are in Eretz Yisrael. However, in Dvarim, when it's talking about the dire situation, a difficult situation, where people are in Gullus and people are in bad situations, then the Torah need point out that even though you live in wherever you live, but Ani Eretz Yisrael are very important to support before, even before they, they take precedence over other, over Aniyim. In Shuvah Reish Lamedalid, which in a certain sense is a continuation of this Shuva, the Chassam Sofer again refers to the significance of Yushalayim and how important it is to realize that Yushalayim is the center of the spirituality of, of Yahadut, and therefore we should always be Mityaches Yushalayim before any place else. Somebody apparently mentioned to him that Today, once upon a time, when the Beis HaMikdash was in existence, and Yerushalayim had special significance because it was the city of Yerushalayim, then somehow Yerushalayim had more spiritual significance than other places. But today, someone apparently suggested that Achshav Tzvat Adifa, I'm quoting three words that are found in this Jew, somebody might have said such a thing, that today Tzvat has presence of Yerushalayim. The Chassam Sofa's response is clear. Chalil God forbid we should say a thing. How could it possibly be that Tzfat is greater than Yerushalayim? How is it possible? Because, and it goes on, Yerushalayim is the center of the universe, it's the place where Avraham Avinu went to the Akedah, and etc., etc., etc. This is Shara Shemayim. Another interesting point is made in this tshuva that I feel is really important to discuss, but it's mentioned here almost as a side point. In order to do that, I'd like to preface a tshuva that was written in Arachayim, in a different hekshir completely, a different uh, connection. The question was discussed there if a community can make a Yom Tov for itself. A certain town, a certain community, a certain miracle happened to them, could they make a miracle for themselves? This tshuva of the Chassam Sofer, where he quotes the Rav Lashkar, is very well quoted and very well discussed in many of the discussions today about celebrating Yom Asmot Yom Rishalayim. Obviously, I'm not going to take a, a stand in this particular discussion. I just am going to quote what the Chassam Sofer said and how people base themselves on this Chassam Sofer to come to their individual discussions. The Chassam Sofer pointed out that as long as it's a holiday that's celebrated because of relief from imminent danger, then a community may certainly make a Yom Tov for itself. He said, Ir echad medina echad is certainly permitted mutar below pikpuk. And then in an interesting comment, he mentioned that he himself related to the city of Frankfurt. Now, we pointed out last week that, of course, the Chassam Safar became became famous as the Rav of Preshburg. But nevertheless, he always signed his letters, Moshe HaKotten Sofer, Mi Frankfurt Domain. He was born in Frankfurt, always considered himself, I'm from Frankfurt Domain. So he said that in Frankfurt Domain, there was a holiday declared in Chaf Adarishon, and they made a Yom Simcha Ladoros. 
I don't know exactly what happened in Frankfurt the Main, but obviously there was an imminent danger, and they were saved by some sort of miraculous event, and they made a Yamtov. And the Chassam Sefer again quotes his Rebbe, Reb Nassim Adler, who also was from Frankfurt the Main, and he celebrated that Yantif. The Chassam Sofer, in an interesting point of how he related to Frankfurt the Main, said, I still celebrate this Yantif, even though I'm very far away. I celebrate this Yantif until this very day. I do a Chumrah, says the Chassam Sofer, that on that day I do make a Siyum. I feel that to be Yotze Oladeos, I make a Suda on that day because I made a Siyum. But really, he said, I do celebrate that particular day. And he took a special reason to finish a, a Siyum. And he says, Some people mentioned to me that without going to the political aspects of Yom Atzmaut, if a person would say, I choose that day, like the Chassam Sofer said, I'm not really 100% uh, Shalem, well, with that particular idea, I made a siyum. If a person would make a suda, etc., so you could make a suda's mitzvah without getting involved in political issues. But in this tshuva, again, going back to the tshuva that I started with today, the tshuva in Yeridea, Chelek, Simon Reish Lamed Gimel, the Chassam Sofer says, since I mentioned the idea of making a Yom Tov, I want to point out that I think making a Yom Tov is, on a day that you are safe from danger, is really a biblical requirement. And I'll quote the words, Kviyas Yom Mo'ed B'Yom Asiyas Since the Gemara in Megillah said that we should say Halel on Purim, if not for the reasons that the Gemara will enumerate, that why we don't say Halel on the Gemara says you should. Because if on a day where we were saved from slavery, we became free people, we would say Halel, then we should certainly say Halel on a day we were saved from danger, from life, a life-threatening situation. So he says, that's a Kavachomer, that's the Raisa. So we made a Yom Tov. We should say, not only should the Gemara say, we say, oh, we should make a Yom Tov. And therefore the Chassam Sofer says, Purim and Hanukkah are actually the Raisa. Amazing Chiddush. But then he says, what can I do? But we know Hanukkah Purim is Rabbanan. So his explanation is, really the idea of creating a Yom Tov is a biblical requirement. What to do in that particular day is a rabbinic obligation. Do we send Shalach Manes? Do we give Matanas Lev Do we read the Megillah? So all that is a mitzvah Rabbanan. But if a person doesn't make some sort of a special significance that this day is the day that we were saved from Misa Lechayim, then he actually he's Mevatel Diodaraisa. As long as he proclaimed it as a separate Yom Tov, so he fulfilled the bi- biblical requirement, even if he didn't read the Megillah, even if he didn't give Shalach Manas. So this, of course, this tshuva is, is quoted by people who are very much in favor of Salming Yom Atzmaut as a, a source where you can see that on a day that Kal Yisrael is in imminent danger, so you should really make a Yom Tov, and it might even be a Yom Tov Daraisa. Obviously, there are a lot of pros and cons, and one can argue this point back and forth. Um, Professor Nachum Rakov, in a book called Hilchot Yom Atzmov Yom brought many opinions, uh, pro and con, about this issue. Uh, people know, they argue today what Rav so-and-so said on this day, what Rav so-and-so said on the other day. Well, be that as it may, the Tshuv Chasam Sofer is one of the sources that's discussed at length in this particular context. Another Tshuva that I found particularly interesting 
was a question that was asked, the Chatam Sofer, about Yud Gimel Ikarim. In Shuva Shun Nun Vav of Yaradeya, he was asked, how many Ikarim are there really? We know the Rambam thought there were 13 Ikarim. Rabbi Yosef Abel thought there were only three Ikarim. So, and the person wanted to know, wanted to discuss with him, how many Ikarim are there? So the Chassam Sofer's answer, which is in a sense is a, a an answer that befits a halachic person who's a completely interested in halacha lemaisa. His answer was, I don't know what the difference is. It's only a question of semantics. Isn't the whole Torah principles of Judaism? If a person doesn't believe in any part of the Torah, wouldn't that be considered kfira? Now he does quote sources that discussed the uh, points, if there are 13 Ikarim or not, the Chassam Safar's basic point is, I don't know. I don't know what the point is. A person has to keep 613 mitzvahs, a person has to believe that there was given by Moshe Misinai. So, if he doesn't believe that, then he's a kafir. I don't need the Yud Gimel Ikarim. He also points out that of course this is done after we have codified the concept of Yud Gimel Ikarim. We have some sort of a decision what the Ikarim are. And before they're clearly codified, so he talks about a Gemara in Sanhedrin that people might have uh, questioned certain things that today we take for granted are principles of Judaism. He says today we passed in this way. Of course, in a, a very interesting book by Professor Mark Shapiro, he's written a discussion of the limits of theology and how have these 13 principles around been accepted or not accepted. And in fact, he quotes this chuva of, of the Chassam Sofer in that book. The the, the point of the Chassam Sofer is that the entire Torah is Ikare Hayadus. 613 mitzvahs are Ikare Hayadus. Based on a statement of Reb Chaim, one might argue and say that a person who doesn't know Yud Gimel Ikarim might be considered a kofar. A person who doesn't know all the laws of the Torah might be considered at least a partial Amaretz, but he wouldn't be considered a kofar. According to the Rambam, the way Reb Chaim explained it, perhaps Yud Gimli Karim have to be understood and believed in by everybody. The Torah has to be believed, but that you don't have to know it. But Yud Gimli Karim, perhaps you do have to know. So perhaps you could argue about if uh, is it relevant to have the Ikarim or not. The Chassam Sofer's argument, though, is certainly the argument of a pure halachist who says, uh, I don't understand why you need Ikarim. You have to believe in Kala Torah Kula. We mentioned before uh, the in, uh, the discussion about uh, Hanukkah and Purim being Doraisa, and what you do on that day might be only uh, Dindrabanan. In that connection, I'd like to refer to another question of the Chassam Salfer, uh, discussing the opinion of the Mi'iri in Megillah. Again, it, it seems that he wrote a number of chuvas. if you look at the dates of... Um, of Chuvas, a number of Chuvas were written either on Purim or just before Purim. This Chuva was written on Yud Adarsheni in the year Tafkov Peidalin, and it, it begins with Shalom Besimchat Purim to my friend. And the question that he discussed is the Meiri's opinion about the Megillah. The Gemara that we just referred to said in Megillah Daf Yudalid that we should really say Hallel and Purim. Why don't we say Hallel? And the Gemara gave a number of answers. 
And one of the answers was that you don't say Hallel on a miracle that occurred in Chutzlaretz. The Gemara goes on to discuss uh, the difference between Pesach and Purim, but nevertheless the opinion is that we don't say Hallel on a miracle that occurred in Chutzlaretz. Another opinion of the Gemara is that Kriyasa Zuilula, reading the Megillah itself, is saying Hallel. So the Me'iri said that since this opinion means that we really should say Hallel on Purim, but we don't say it because we read the Megillah. So the Miri said a big Chiddush. If there's no Megillah, then a person should say Halal. Now, the person that wrote to Chazam Sofer said to him, it was a little shocking that nobody had had uh, mentioned this. All the Poskim have, do not mention it. I think there are some Poskim. I think the Chida and others did mention it. But he said that the general Poskim have not mentioned this. There, there's a Gemara in uh, Megillah that Rav Meir was, happened to be in a place in Purim where there was no Megillah. So what he did was he read the Megillah by heart. He wrote the Megillah, sorry, you're not allowed to read the Megillah by heart. He wrote the Megillah by heart, and then once he had a Megillah, he, he learned it. So this person asked, why did he have to do such a difficult thing? He, why didn't he just say hello instead? Here he does quote the Chidah, so maybe he does refer to the Chidah that I mentioned before. So, why did he have to do it? The Chassam Selfer said, first of all, we have to discuss that we really paskin according to the opinion, Kriyasazum Zuhilula. There might be other reasons in the Gemara of saying Halal and Apurim for, uh, for not saying Halal, which the Gemara does, and it wouldn't be so clear which one we paskin like. But uh, nevertheless, if you do pass in this one, the argument seems to be strange. So it seems to be strong. As far as the argument why Reb Meir did not do it, so the Chassam Safar answered, look, it's not so simple that you're allowed to say Hallel. You should avoid saying Hallel any way you can. If you don't have a Megillah, there might be no choice, then maybe you could do it. But if you could write it, then maybe you should. Maybe it's better to write it. Then he also argues, let's remember, when Purim is on Shabbos, why don't they say Hallel? Obviously, the solution of saying Megillah, even if it's on Friday, is better than saying the Megillah, than saying Hallel. So the Chassam Sefer rejected the argument of saying Hallel, and he said most people do not paskin like like the Meiri, and uh, you don't say Hallel. In the Pachad Yitzchak of Rav Hutner, he added, I think, a brilliant explanation why the custom is not to follow the Meiri. Uh, very, very briefly, and not doing proper justice to the idea of Rav Hutner, uh, Rav Hutner said, let's remember, the whole idea of Purim is Hester Panim. I don't have to go into now a whole discussion of Hester Menatora, Hester Hester Panim, that everything about Megillah is hidden, the name of God is, is hidden, the miracle was hidden, God's name isn't mentioned in Megillah. So Rav, Rav, Rav Hutner argued and said that the way of celebrating the holiday should conform to the nature of the holiday. Since the holiday of Purim is actually a, 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 a holiday of Hester Panim, of, of a hidden miracle, even the Halal should be hidden. When the Gemara says you don't say Halal and Purim because you read the Megillah, it doesn't mean, well, you could say Halal or could say the Megillah. It means the Halal of Purim is a hidden type of Halal that's said in the Megillah. But if there's no Megillah, then you can't just say Halal because the Halal has to be a hidden Halal. So, we do the custom that we have today is not like the Miri. I've never heard of anybody reading um, Halil uh, on Purim because he didn't have a Megillah. Of course, I must say that I've never heard a case where a person didn't have a Megillah. But if I would hear such a case, I'd be shocked if somebody would really say Halil instead. The last tshuva that I 
would like to mention today is a tshuva of, uh, that he was asked about a situation where people in shul were, wanted to get an aliyah. Let's say they had a, a chiyuv, a yard site or something. And let's discuss for a moment if it's, um, a, um, a Monday or Thursday. And there are only three aliyahs. And the people want to get an aliyah. Included upon the people in Aliyah was Rav, who was the Maradasra. The communal leader, obviously, considered the biggest time in Chacham. And the Kohen refuses to be Mochel. And there was a big controversy about it. And so they were at, he, the Chassam Safar was asked, can you make a Takana that the Kohen would not get an Aliyah in such a case? And would such a community, a, a Takana be proper and would it be binding? The, the Chassam Sofer, as his usual want, answered, you, you have great Tamiriyachachim in your city, you don't need me, but Bechalzot, I will, I will tell you my answer. I think if the Takana was done properly, then the Takana is a proper Takana, and if somebody would then refuse, it's breaking a Takana, you don't have to give him the Kohen Aliyah. But he did insist that you make this Takana properly. And how could the Takana be done properly? Well, if there's no Kohen available, then you can make the Takana, the city of the people, uh, the community made a Takana. If there is a Kohen available, so you should get him to agree to make a Takana. And then once he agrees and the Takana is made, then the, taka, the Takana is enforceable in everyone. The Chassam Sofer, of course, relates to a general principle of the Rambam, which is very interesting. The Mishnah in Gitten says that a custom Mishum Dake Shalom, we give a Kohen always first. The Rambam in his parish of Mishnayis there feels that this Mishnah is only relating to a case where Shem Shavim. Kohen, Levi, and Yisrael, basically they're all of the same level. In such a case, you should give the Kohen first. However, if one of them is obviously a greater Tamid Chacham, than the other, then the Tamid Chacham comes first. Let's remember the Mishnah Harius. Afilu Mamzer Tamid Chacham called him the Kohen Amar. It's a, 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 even if he has no Yichas at all. But a Tamid Chacham should proceed in Amaritz, even if he's a Kohen. So the Rambam, not only does the Rambam think a Kohen, the Tamid Chacham comes before the Kohen, the Rambam thought it was a terrible, terrible thing. He felt there was a certain Chilu Kavara Torah, disgrace of Torah, that they didn't give a Tamid Chacham first. If that would be true, then this whole question of the Chassam Sover is a moot question. Obviously, you give the Tamid Chacham first. In fact, the Rambam wrote a tshuva about this in a letter the Rambam wrote. The Rambam wrote that the Gemara in the Darim, when it says, Shalom Berchu Chila, the Rambam interpreted that Gemara to mean that the order of giving aliyahs was important to realize that you should give a Tamid Chacham first. And if people don't do that, it's a disgrace to Torah, and that was what occurred, and that's why the Gemara in, in the Darim was referring to the terrible sin of the people that they did not have respect for Torah, they didn't give Tamid Chacham first. The Chassam Sofer says, even though that's true, and the Rambam felt so, it's just interesting that the Rambam in the in his Mishnah Torah, where he discusses Halacha Lemaisa, the Rambam says that Halacha Lemaisa, we give a coin first, the minig is to give the coin first, no matter if he's not 
So the question is a question, am I allowed to call a Tamid Chacham before a Kohen? Even though theoretically the Ramam thought that it always should be done, but practically speaking, even the Ramam said it need not be done. If it need not be done, or should not be done, then the question would be, can you make a Takana? The Chassam Stafar explained how to make a Takana. However, he did add one more point, that even though you made such a Takana, or the Kohen was Mochel, it would be best to somehow show respect for the Kohen as well, perhaps by giving him Hotzah, giving him because there is at least some sort of a concept of a Kiddashtan, of respecting the Kohen. But nevertheless, this Takana could be made.